Wow, so good to, to be together this morning, so good to worship, so good to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit just speaking to us in such a clear way um, this morning, just felt so encouraged and we as a church should feel so encouraged about what God's doing with us and through us and in us and this morning I want us to go back to the Jordan River, remember we're in the book of Joshua, uh, this week we're in chapter 4 together. And so I want us to go back to the Jordan River and it's uh, this time when the children of Israel were about to cross over the river and go into Canaan, into the promised land, that promise that was made to Abraham in Genesis 15, um, that God would give them a place to live, a place to dwell. And they were about to enter that place. And... um, Andrew O'Kane at the prayer meeting on Wednesday evening, we had an amazing evening actually on Wednesday as we came together to pray as a church, really experienced the presence of God with us as we prayed. But Andrew O'Kane just shared with us that God has not led us to this place to destroy us, that he was the God of impossible circumstances And he wants us to see him roll up his sleeves and show us his power. That's what God wants to do. He wants to let us see his power. You know, God could have led the people of Israel to the Jordan River at the time when it was in drought. When the time when the water was low. But he chose to choose the time of year when the water was at its highest. It was in the spring. And the floodwaters that were coming down from you know, melted ice from Mount Hermon through the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee into the Jordan River and the river would burst its banks. And God had brought the children of Israel to the the edge of the river and he said, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to bring you into all of my promises and all of the blessings that I have for you. And Andrew just reminded us on Wednesday, God does that intentionally. He takes us to places where intentionally we absolutely need to know it's him that's making the way. We absolutely need to know that because there's so much we can do, particularly in our westernized thinking, where we can think we can do it in our own strength. And God wants to remind us, no, you can't. You need me. And as a church, we need God. We don't want to do this in our own strength. We know that God's got a place he wants to take us into. Uh, He's got things he wants to reveal to us and show us, but he's going to do it in his way and his strength. And then um, we were praying together on Wednesday and I was with Emmanuel. I think I saw Emmanuel over at the back there and Emmanuel prayed these words and I was writing it down as he was praying because it just caught my heart. He said this, you are the God of our impossible places. Do you believe that? You are the God of our impossible places. You are the God of our tight spaces. It sounded like a bit of a rap. (laughs) I thought he was going to go into a rap. You are the God of our impossible places. You are the God of our tight spaces. You are the God who brought us this far and you're not going to leave us here. You're going to make a way. You're going to provide for us. You're the God of miracles. You're the God of deliverance. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. You are light in the darkness. That is who you are. That is who you are. And as we come through the Jordan River, 
It's so important that we remember that the river is not just a place of exit out of the wilderness, but it's a place of entrance in to all that God's got for us. If I invited you around to my house for dinner and you came in the front door and the dining table was set up in the hallway, you'd think, that's strange. You'd think, well, there's a nice picture on the wall and the heating's on. But what are we doing eating dinner in the doorway, in the hallway? And we can be like that as Christians, you know. We can come into the house, we can come into salvation, but we can stay in the hallway when God wants us to explore the palace. He wants to step into all of the promises that he's got for us. You may think, well, it's nice to have dinner in the hallway. We've got a few wet coats and a few smelly shoes, but it's not where we're meant to stay. God has got so much more for us in our Christian walk. And so the Jordan was a place of exit out of the wilderness, out of Egypt, which had happened 40 years before, but into the promises of God, into all that God has got for us. Christianity is the same. Salvation and forgiveness are the hallway through which we enter God's palace. But it's only a means to a far greater end. God has got so much more for us. The gospel isn't just about what we have been forgiven from, but what we have been forgiven to. God cleans up our sin. He makes us righteous. He leads us into all of the wonderful riches that he has for us in Christ. He's adopted us. He's brought us blessing and provision. We've got so much to enjoy in who God is. So as we come into the fourth chapter of Joshua, I'm going to get Becky Robbins to just share these words with us. She's going to read the scripture with us. But I want us to just remember as, as she does this, that we are not Joshua in this story. We are the people of God. In this story, when we're thinking of the story foreshadowing what's going to happen in the future, this story is about Jesus. It's about what Jesus does as he leads us from bondage into all of the promises of God. So I'm going to get Becky to read from the Amplified Bible. The words are going to be on the screen. So it was when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take for yourselves the twelve men chosen from among the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, Pick up for yourself twelve stones, one each from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet were standing firm. Carry them over with you and lay them down at the place where you'll spend the night tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over again to the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel, so that this may be a sign among you when your children ask later, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial for Israel forever. So the 12 men chosen from the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had spoken to Joshua. 
And they carried them over with them to the place where they were spending the night and put them down there. Then Joshua set up a second monument of 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they were there to this day. For the priests who carried the Ark were standing in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in accordance with everything that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried and crossed the dry riverbed. And when all the people had finished crossing, the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed for battle before the other sons of Israel, just as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 men armed and equipped for the war crossed the battle before the Lord to the desert plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified and exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. So they feared him with profound awe and reverence, just as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Now the Lord said to Joshua, order the priests carry the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests saying, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of their feet were raised up to the dry land, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and flowed over all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they'd taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed the sea, crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before you until we had crossed. So that all the people of the earth may know without any doubt and acknowledge that the hand of the Lord is mighty and extraordinarily powerful so that you will fear the Lord your God and obey and worship him with profound awe and reverence forever. Thank you, Becky. That's great. So I want us to look at um, something really important for us today. Is that the Joshua commanded the children of Israel, the heads of the tribes or representatives from the 12 tribes, to build two memorials. One of those memorials, which I'm going to say the first one in our story today, was set up right in the middle of the Jordan. So the, the Ark of the Covenant, which had been carried into the Jordan by the priests, remember as soon as the soles of their feet hit the river, the waters backed right up to a town called Adam. And we heard last week through what Ollie and Mo shared so brilliantly, that God has dealt with our sin right back to Adam. Uh, but Joshua said to the men, I want you to take 12 stones and I want you to build a memorial right there in the riverbed where the, the feet of the priests were situated. And remember what happened is that as the priests stood in the river, the waters dried up and the people crossed over on dry ground. But Joshua said, build a monument, a memorial, a milestone so that you can remember what God has done. That's the whole purpose of it. And we need in our lives moments that we can look back to and we can remember this is what God's done for us. And I love that this memorial is built up in the middle of the Jordan. In fact, it says, as we read through the verses, that when the book of Joshua was written, the memorial was still in the river. 
It was still there to the, uh, to the point where the book of Joshua was, was written. You know, we need memorials in our lives to look back to the time that God delivered us. That remind us that God did it before and he will do it again. That he is faithful, he's been faithful. We need milestones in our lives that remind us of what God has done, one. We need to be reminded of who God is and how powerful he is. But we also need to know and be reminded of who we are. We are the people of God. And I love this first milestone. When Israel passed through the waters of the Jordan, they moved from wilderness death to promised land, life and rest. It only took a day to get the people of Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the people of Israel. And as they came to the Jordan, as they crossed over and they came into the banks of Gilgal on the other side of the river and Joshua said, put 12 stones here in the bank of the river, in, sorry, in the seabed of the river. This is going to be a memorial of all that I have done. That I stopped the waters of the river back to Adam. You know what? There's something so precious about this is that we all need these moments in our lives when we look back to what God has done for us. Moments in time when we say the Lord was with us. He made a way. And I love it that I think when we look at this time, it always reminds me of baptism. Baptism is the point in our lives when we recognise what God has done And we build a memorial and we say, God has saved us. He's brought us this far. It's a sign that the old has been buried in the river and we have been resurrected into new life in Christ Jesus. Baptism says that Jesus has dealt with our sin once and for all. But we're not going to forget it. We're going to let those around us know that God has saved us. He has rescued us. He's delivered us. And baptism sets a marker in our lives that says God delivered us. He's freed us from the past. You know, when I had the joy of marrying Caleb and Nikki Goldsmith a few weeks ago here in the King Centre, and we went through their vows together and the promises that they made to each other, they became one with each other. They made a promise that everything that Caleb had and owned belonged now to Nikki as well. And Nikki, everything that she had belonged to Caleb. And they made those promises together. And you know, that's what happens with us when we come to Christ. We recognise that everything that he has, he's promised and he's given it to us. But we need to give everything to him as well. We need to give all of our lives over to him. And then we need to build a memorial to say, Lord, everything... Of my whole life is yours, I give it to you. And with Caleb and Nikki, they put rings on their fingers. And those rings were a sign of the promises that they had made to one another. If you like, the rings were a sign of covenant. The promises were absolute. They made the marriage legally before God, they are married. Those promises that they committed to one another hold them together 
But then the rings on their fingers say, no, we're in covenant relation. They're, in, they're an exhibit to everyone else around and reminder to them that we're, they were taken. We are not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price. <laughs> and baptism does that. It says we're not our own anymore. We've been brought with a price. And we put the ring on our finger and we say to the whole world, we remind ourselves, we are God's people. We are God's children. He has saved us. It reminds the devil of who we are. It reminds us of who we are. It reminds those who are our witnesses of what God has done in our lives. And as they came to the riverbeds and they put the stones down, it was saying that once and for all, sin is defeated. Its power is broken over our lives. And we are building a memorial right here in this riverbed of all that God has done for us. He has saved us. He has delivered us. And I don't know, I just think that for many of us, we have memorials that are painful in our lives. We have moments we look back to and they're moments of pain and they're moments of brokenness. They're moments of sin. They're moments of our own rebellion and maybe the consequences of the mistakes that we've made. But God wants to, us to leave them in the river today. He wants us to leave them at the foot of the cross today. He wants to, us to leave them in the riverbed, so that when the waters come crashing back over the Jordan, they're no, no longer remembered. We have a new start, a new beginning, and that's the milestone. So I don't know whether you've been baptised or not, whether you've been a Christian a long time or not, but I would say I think there's people here today, I want to encourage you. One of the most wonderful things that we can do as Christians is to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to exhibit that and put a marker in the sand, a line in the sand that says, I'm following Christ, so I'm going to be baptised. I'm going to leave everything in the Jordan. I'm going to leave everything at the foot of the cross. And I'm moving on into all that God has for us. You know, the interesting thing about these stones that were built up in the riverbed is that they wouldn't have been seen in the time when the river came back over the, over the river. But I wonder whether in times of drought, in times when the water was low, the people of God could look back and they could remember, this is what the Lord has done. He has made a way. He has provided for us. Look what the Lord has done. He is our good shepherd. He has brought us across into all he has for us. So that was the first of the memorials, the first milestone. The second one, Joshua commanded the people to set up at Gilgal. They crossed the river. They'd landed on the banks of the river. And it says this in verse 21, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over, just as the Lord your God did at the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until he had crossed, so that all the peoples of the earth may know 
without any doubt and acknowledge that the hand of the Lord is mighty and extraordinarily powerful. The hand of the Lord is mighty and extraordinarily powerful. And Joshua said, I want you to build another monument of these 12 stones that you've brought out of the river on the banks of the River Jordan at Gilgal in the plains of Jericho because this memorial is going to remind you that the hand of the Lord is mighty and extraordinarily powerful. There are times, church, we just need to remember that. For us to move forward into all that God has got for us, we need to look back and see that he has been faithful with us in the impossible times, in the difficult times. You know that the promises that God has made to us in the light, they stand good in the dark. The promises that God has made to us through our good times stand true when we're going through difficult times. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of us need to be reminded that when God says something and when God does something, that just because we go through difficult times, that those promises do not lose their potency. They're exactly the same. God has been with us this far. He will take us on. He will bring us into all that he has for us. Hold on to the memories of God's faithfulness in good times because you will need them when times are tough. And I think I just want to share that with us as a fellow brother, as a, as, a, as a shepherd, as a pastor. Hold on to the promises of God in the times that we see God's blessing and we see his provision. Because at the times when things are tough, we need to be reminded of what God has done for us. We need to be reminded that he is faithful. It says in Jeremiah 12 and verse 5, this is from the message translation. So Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? If you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan in flood? <laughs> we need the promises of God to strengthen us to the core so that when times are tough, we keep calm and we keep trusting and we keep putting our confidence in God. Set markers of remembrance, of gratitude in the times of peace and provision so that when the storm is raging around you, you have something to go back to and to draw on. I love this. Verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know without any doubt that the hand of the Lord is powerful. The hand of the Lord is powerful. When you come up against the walls of Jericho, which we're going to see next week, the children of Israel come up against the walls of Jericho. What's going to give us courage to keep going, to keep pressing on to all that God's got for us? What's going to give us courage is a remembrance of what God has done for us in the past. Hebrews 6 and verse 12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, 
but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what God has promised. Let's look back to all that God has done, but only so that we can look forward. Let's not stay in the past. Let's not look back thinking, weren't those good times? Let's not stay in that place where back in the day when God did that, those were the best times. No, God gives us times like this so we can look forward and we can reminded of, be reminded of all that he has done. In verse 19 of Joshua 4, we read that the people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. In the Hebrew calendar, the first month was the month of Nisan. It was around our March, April time, depending on when the, the new moon was. That's how the calendar worked in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew world. And they crossed over the Jordan on the on the 10th day of the first month. You know, 40 years earlier, Moses said to the people of Israel, on the 10th day of the first month, I want you to select an unblemished lamb. And what the children of Israel were to do with that lamb on the very first Passover, a few days later, they were to sacrifice that lamb and they were to paint the blood of that lamb on the lintels and the doors of their houses and the angel of death would pass over and they would be rescued from slavery in Egypt and brought into all that God had got for them. That was on the 10th day of the first month. You know, Years and years later, when Jesus was on the earth, it was the 10th day of the first month that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. The perfect spotless lamb of God was about to be sacrificed so that his blood would be placed on our lives and that we could be freed from death. That's the gospel. So whether it's the first day, sorry, the 10th day of the first month and Joshua is bringing the people of Israel across into the promised land or we look back to the very first Passover or we look forward to the time where Jesus came into Jerusalem, we're reminded, and this is, this is the wonderful thing about Scripture, there are, there are dialogues through Scripture or, or storylines through Scripture that help us to remember that God is faithful. He's faithful. And the children of Israel constantly are being reminded, this is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. He's made a way. He's broken through. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem, our perfect spotless lamb, to the cries of Hosanna, the Lord is our saviour. Jesus is the new Joshua. Jesus is the Joshua. His name means exactly the same. Jehovah saves. Jehovah is our deliverance. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem to cries of Hosanna, the Lord is our deliverance. We know that his blood is going to be shed for us and he's going to bring us into all the promises that he's got for us. You know, we need milestones in our lives to remind us of what God has done. So we keep pushing on. We keep going forward. But they also remind us of who we are. 
And I'm going to ask the band just to come on, come on up now. Because a few, three years earlier, before Jesus went into Jerusalem on the donkey, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, he came to the same Jordan River and he asked John the Baptist to baptise him in that same river. I find it amazing that Jesus was baptised. He'd never done anything wrong. He hadn't sinned. And John said to him, I shouldn't be baptising you, Jesus. You should be baptising me. And Jesus said, I want to I be baptised to fulfil righteousness. Jesus is our example. Joshua was the example of the people of Israel to lead them through into all of God's promises. And Jesus is our example to lead us through into all of God's promises in our lives. Jesus marked the ending of the old and the beginning of the new. The old has gone, the new has come. Jesus is the ultimate Joshua. John said, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as Jesus was baptised in the Jordan, I love this. The Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit is seen in the form of a dove descending on Jesus. The Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together in one place in the River Jordan. And as we follow Jesus, as we step through Jesus into all that he's got for us, through his death and through his resurrection, through his baptism, we recognise that for Jesus, baptism was the ending of the old, ending of the fact that he was the carpenter's son. The ending of an era that he was, Mary, he was, the, he was Mary and Joseph's boy. He was going to be the one that proclaimed the kingdom. Miracles would follow. He would, take, he would go to Jerusalem. He would die on a cross. He would give his life for us. And it all started at the Jordan as he was baptised. And this morning, I just want to encourage us. For some of us here... This is a day we need to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be baptised. I'm going to follow after him. Jesus would be the one who would lead us ultimately into the promised land of freedom, of adoption, of eternal blessings. For Jesus, this marked the start of the kingdom of God being proclaimed. It's interesting how Jesus was recognised by his father and how Joshua at the time, it says that Joshua was recognised before all the people of God. The favour of God was on him. This is my beloved son, God says to Jesus, in whom I am well pleased. We need to reflect on the milestones in our lives. There's a time in our lives we need to say the old has gone, the new has come. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going to turn back. I'm following Jesus. And maybe for you, 
through times of drought, through times of difficulty, you just need to be reminded of all that God has done, all that God is doing. Whether it's through stones or songs or baptism or breaking bread, these are memory markers for us. They're memory markers that help us remind ourselves of what God has done, of who God is and who we are. And I just wonder whether we could just stand together as we come to the end of our time. We're going to break bread together in just a bit. I wonder whether we could stand. Because this is a time where we need to leave some stuff in the river. And I just say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything we need to leave behind, if there's anything that you're saying, I want you to leave it there. Maybe it's stuff that's snared us, past sins that we know that God has dealt with them, but they keep coming back and they rear their ugly heads in our lives. We need to see them buried in the waters of the river, under the blood of Jesus. So as we come to the table in just a bit, we're coming to another memory marker that reminds us of all that Jesus has done for us. But as we come, I wonder whether the stuff we need to leave, say, Lord, I'm not having that in my life. That's been dealt with. That's been dealt with by the cross of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, will you show us things that have held us back or try and hold us back, try and keep us in the wilderness when you're saying, come on, come over into all I've got for you. So I wonder whether just before we break bread, we could just pray this prayer just after me. It's about leaving behind the old and stepping into the new. So let's do it, Lord. I want to leave everything at your cross. All the things that hold me back, that draw me back, that keep me in bondage. When you have made a way for freedom, you have made a way for me to to jump over the wall as we heard earlier on I want to leave them at the cross because your cross has dealt with them once and for all you were the perfect spotless lamb who takes away the sins of the world and as the river floods back over Jordan bed we thank you Lord God we have built a, a memory a memorial of all that you have done in our lives. So we leave it there and we cross over into all that you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. you've prayed a prayer like that this morning I just want to just ask when you stick your hand up if you've prayed a prayer say I want to leave it 
behind and want to move into all that God's got for you, just stick your hand up. That's great. Just keep them up, just for a bit, yeah. The stuff you just need to leave behind. just going to, as you just keep your hands up, I'm just going to ask a few people around you just to reach out to you and just pray for, pray for these people around you. This is a time where God wants to leave stuff in the river (laughs) and for some it's going to mean that you're going to have to make decisions. For some there are idols in your house that you need to burn or destroy. For some There are relationships that you're in that are not good for you. And you need to leave them in the river. For some that you've just been teetering on the edge of the riverbank, but you've not been willing to go through. And it's interesting that as we read earlier, and Becky read, it says they crossed over quickly. They didn't dither. They crossed over quickly. And for us, we need to cross over quickly. Let's not be hankering after Egypt. Let's cross over quickly because the old has gone and the new has come. So let's pray for these folk with their hands up in the air. Let's reach out our hands to them. You know where they are. In the name of Jesus. We say the old is dead and buried. Not in the Jordan, but under the blood of Jesus Christ. Once and for all. And anything that would hold us back, remove it, Lord. Give people courage to step out of the old and into all that you've got for them. To not park up in the hallway, but to go into the dining room and into the lounge and into all of the blessings that you've got for them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, convict us, challenge us. The stuff that needs to die today so that we can step into all that you've got for us in Christ Jesus.